We opened that up last week. If you weren't here, I'm going to show you on the screen above to, to steal John Stott's words. Um, the, the text was pregnant, and I love the way that he described that. Um, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, every word was, was pregnant. And so this is what we walked through last week. If it looks like chicken scratch... Um, go to the website and see how we walk through this. We teach exegetically at Safe Haven Church, and so this is supposed to be exegesis from last week. Um, so that's what it looked like. Um, I'm going to re-preach that message in, in 15 seconds. So let's go to the next screen. All of that was to say this, that Jesus is a prophet, He is the priest, He is the king. He is these three things that the Old Testament kept promising there would be one who would be a prophet, priest, king. He fulfilled all of these things. As prophet, he was the final message that God sent. There is no other message than him. He is the priest. He is the purifier of sin, is what Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 said. And he's the king. He's the one who sat it down, sat sit it down, sat down. He, it is still finished. And so, because of these things, if you're a believer, don't, don't quit. <laughs> don't bail. Persevere. Keep running the race that is set before you. That is the whole message of Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 that we went through last week. So for everybody who sat in here for an hour as we walked through it, I'm sorry. <laughs> there it is, redone in 15 seconds. But nonetheless, that's where the text has taken us. And today, if we're not careful... This text that we're going to hit today is going to seem unimpressive. It'll be one of those texts you're kind of like, wow, that that doesn't make a lot of sense. Last week was so lofty and pregnant, and and then we're going to read this text, and if we're not careful, this text is going to seem very odd, if you will. Um, It's it's going to be like the first time that Julie Beth had an ultrasound with with one one of our kids, and, you know, I went in... The very first ultrasound, I'm, so I'm pumped. I'm like, yes, let's do this. And then it's like a peanut. <laughs> and I was like, I don't see anything. And they're like, well, this is awesome. This is great. I'm like, well, zoom in. I want to see more. You know, it just seemed odd, I guess, if you will. But if God is gracious, um, if the Spirit will move amongst us through His text, um, if He'll do a work of enlightenment, Jesus will blow us away in this text that is very odd and unimpressive. If He'll do His work as the Scriptures wash over us, it'll be like when I went back for multiple ultrasounds. What started out as the little peanut that didn't make sense, all of a sudden blossomed in this formed thing. And then I'm like, whoa, now that is great. And I'm like, oh my goodness, Julie Beth, He looks just like you. And then the doctor's like, well, that's a foot. (laughs) But the more I looked at it, the more it grew. Does that make sense? I'm just warning you. If you come to this text lazy, it will be unimpressive and like a little peanut. But if God is gracious, man, it will explode and we'll be like, wow, Jesus is amazing. Okay? All right. With that said... Let's read the text. It'll be on the screen above. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You're a son, today I've begotten you. Or again, 
I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings forth uh, the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a fire of flame. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed. But you are the same, and your years have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Therefore... We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us, by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. The Word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord. And I'm asking you, when I say pray, I'm not saying, hey, let's sit and listen to somebody pray. Let's pray. You pray. Let's beg the Lord by His Spirit to make the text come alive in our hearts today. Lord Jesus, would you do that? Would you make the text make sense? Would you lead us to worship? Would you lead us to contemplate Christ more fully? That we would see Him as superior, as the author of Hebrews keeps screaming at us and is going to do for the next 16 weeks. God, that we'll just see that Your Son, the Son, the One who redeems us, the One who lived the life we couldn't live, who died the death we deserve, who was raised again. God, the, the Son <laughs> would grow, that we would become smaller, that we would decrease, that He would increase. That At the end of the day, Lord, as we walk out of here, that we'll walk out into the sunlight going, wow, Jesus is stunning. We'll see you more fully. And Lord Jesus, would you do that work in us? Would you show us that you truly do receive all glory, all honor, um, all of our focus and attention, all of our lives. In Jesus, it's your precious holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's do this. Let's go through the text, guys. Um, Maybe to set the text up, have you ever, I'm sure you have, you've, you've noticed warnings on certain items that didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Just kind of bizarre, odd warnings. You know, I, I borrowed Sam Calloway's uh, chainsaw. It's like, a, you know, the kind that's on the pole and cutting down the limbs, you know. I borrowed that and, and I wanted, you know, to 
thank him, and I knew that he wouldn't take any money or whatever, so I was like, I'm going to buy a new blade for the thing, you know. You know, and bought a blade and all that kind of stuff, and, and on the chainsaw blade, I swear to you, on the pack, packaging, it says, um, warning, sharp object. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I kind of hope so. <laughs> if it's not, it's coming right back, you know. But you, you've kind of seen bizarre warnings. Um, the text that we just read can kind of seem like a bizarre warning, right? It's like, Jesus is great. Hey, don't worship angels. Got it. No problem. And the reason I think that sometimes we'll think that way is because we, we, we don't go back to the context of which the Hebrews lived in, right? So we look and go, of course I'm not going to worship an angel. I know better than that. I've read the Bible, right? Well, they, they're not there with you. <laughs> and there was a lot of angel worship. So to understand this text, we got to understand maybe what's not so blatantly obvious to us, but we got to understand their context. And this is a shameless plug for Dan Johnson's devotional <laughs> that he wrote. Did y'all read that? Did, y- did y'all read the devotional that Dan wrote this week about this passage? That's right. <laughs> That's right. You need a PhD to understand it, number one. But no, it, it was fantastic the way that he laid out the text and what's going on in the text and the balance between the Old Testament verses and the New Testament verses and how they all interplay together. And so if you didn't get that, we have some extra devotional guides in the back. Grab one on your way out. It is a phenomenal resource to understanding this specific passage. So anyways... That's a shameless plug for Dan. But kind of what Dan laid out in in that in the beginning was this. You do have to understand that in the context of the Hebrews, it was not just mere tradition, but they genuinely um, held to and proclaimed that angels indeed handed down the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. Physically. So it's kind of like... Uh, most of you guys know this, God spoke the world into existence, but who was the actual hands-on agent of creation? Christ. Yeah, this is what Scripture teaches us, right? So, uh, nothing was made that Christ did not make, the New Testament tells us. Well, so it looks a lot like this, that uh, the Father was going to give the law, and the angels would have been the ones to hand, maybe do the chiseling, or, or whatever that looks like. This was the tradition that had, had gone on. And it finds its root in Scripture, for sure, no doubt about it. This will be on the screen above. Um, Acts chapter 7, verse 53. Stephen says this, You who receive the law as delivered by... Who? Angels. Yeah, angels. Um, you received it from angels, but you didn't keep it. So Stephen is saying this. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, 19. Uh, Paul says this, The law was put in place through... Want to take a guess? Angels by an intermediary, Galatians 3 says. And then Hebrews 2 is going to tell us here in chapter uh, 2, verse 2, that this is the message, the law, that was delivered to you by angels. So this is the tradition that they understood um, of how angels had this role in this. So angels weren't just kind of these cuddly, diaper-wearing, bow-drawing Valentine's mascots, okay? You know, when we think of angels and we think of, you know, Cupid, right? Well, they weren't that. 
to the Hebrews. They, they weren't these silly little things to sell chocolate, you know, um, or to birth love in your heart. That's not what they were. As a matter of fact, um, they were elevated, they were respected, but they were indeed often worshipped. They were, here's some verses that talks about this, Colossians 2.18. Uh, very clearly, Paul says, bluntly, do not worship angels. Well, you don't tell somebody don't worship angels unless somebody is doing what? Worshiping angels. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense, okay? First uh, Timothy 2.5, he tells Timothy, look, there's only one mediator, Christ and Christ alone. And then in Revelation 19.10, one of my favorite passages about angels, if you've read Revelation or we, we studied through that for a year at Safe Haven, um, we got finally to the end, we're getting close to Revelation 19, John has seen this tremendous thing unfold, and this angel, he's talking to this angel, and then John bows down to worship the angel, and then the angel does what? Yeah, the angel says, whoa, <laughs> back the bus up, do not worship me. I'm a servant just like you. I'm a created being. Don't you dare worship me. So this angel even calls John into account here. And so I don't want to get into the weeds too much, but I think we need to do at least a minimum, a brief overview of angelology. And I brought one because I accidentally printed it out. This was our last semester's study on angels and demons. We did systematic. Um, last semester we studied angels, demons. Um, so here's 21 pages. I have one copy. You can fight over it if you want. Um, it'll be right here. Or make a donation of $7,000 to the Nicholson Monday. Uh, no. I'll print you out one. I'll email it to you. If you want this, this is yours. But nonetheless, we studied this last semester in depth, and I think there's some things that are important to understand about angels, maybe to understand this text more fully. What are angels in Scripture? I'm going to pop some things up on the screen here. Um, Number one is this. In Scripture, angels are created, meaning that angels are not divine. They are created beings. They have not always existed. And I think a lot of times we can get a lofty concept of these angels that have just kind of always been. Well, that's not true. Angels were indeed created. So as created things, they're they're not omni-anything, right? They're not omnipresent. They can't be here and in Georgia and in Spain at the same time. They're not those things. They're not um, omniscient. They're not all-knowing. They don't know your hearts. They're they're not divine. So we have to be careful about these things. Um, They're not omnipotent. They're not all-powerful. They are powerful, but they're not all-powerful. So they're not all these things that we can sometimes attribute it. And if we're not careful, slip into letting them become divine. They're just not. They're created beings. Uh, Angels are male. You may have never thought about that. That came out. That was a fun one as we studied that in systematic theology. Um, There is not a single reference in Scripture ever of a female use, a feminine use of the word angel. As a matter of fact, it's not neuter either. Every single instance in Scripture of an angel is masculine. Um, So that's fascinating. Angels are single. Jesus tells us this, that they are not given in marriage. So they remain single. I would also suggest, because of that, there are no cute little cuddly baby angels. They're not given in marriage. They're not procreating. Um, So I'm sorry if you have a cute, fat, little baby angel figurine. (laughs) It's probably probably not biblical. 
Um, there is no instance of cute, fat, little baby angels. Um, they're, they're, they're not humans. And the reason I point that out is because... And I, I want to say this with sincerity, but also just a, a note of warning. Um, because they're not humans, and humans are not angels, no one who dies and goes on becomes an angel. No one gets their wings. That's, that's not in the Bible. Um, Angels are angels, humans are humans, and as a matter of fact, in the end, the Scriptures tell us that angels will be judged by who? (coughs) Humans. That's fascinating. And you go, I want to learn more about that. Well, you should have been there last semester, okay? Um, Or you can fight for this, right? You can have an arm wrestling match. Uh, But nonetheless... Um, let's not let's let's don't wed the two. They're not they're too distinct. And also, when we say a human becomes an angel, we devalue humanity. And I would argue Bible, the Bible proclaims that humans are the apple of God's eye. We're the chief end of creation. We're the ones given His image, His imagio dei, will, intellect, spirit, emotion. We, we are these things. Uh, but nonetheless, don't devalue humans. Um, and, and and then angels are capable of sinning. Um, no fallen angel, as a matter of fact, was given grace. Second Peter 2, 4 says, Praise the Lord, we get opportunity and grace. <laughs> angels were not giving that. They were not spared, Scripture clearly says. Angels do protect. Uh, we talked about this in the, in the class. Not necessarily as a guardian angel, but perhaps, could perhaps. Uh, I think I would argue maybe it's more of kind of a zone defense, if you will, as opposed to just you got this specific guardian angel. But in Scripture, we do see, um, talking about children, that I have given my angels guard and protection over them. Maybe that's kind of a zone defense, I guess, if you will. Um, But they do protect. Angels definitely bring messages, not of their own accord. Every message that they give, God sends, and ultimately for the glory of Christ. Angels do destroy. They mess stuff up, okay? If you want a passage about that, just go look at 1 Chronicles 21, where angels are sent to wipe out an entire population. Okay, so again, cute, cuddly, feathery, all that kind of stuff. But also, the ultimate warrior, all of our WWE fans, actually WWF back in the day, they are the ultimate warrior. Okay, Um, and when I say that, I say that because every time an angel shows up to somebody in Scripture... You never see somebody run up to them and go, Oh, that is fluffy and cuddly and ooh, right? What do you see them do? Yeah, you can say it. They poop their pants. Okay? (laughs) That's what happens. They fall down, so the angel has to say to them, You know these two words fear not. Don't fear me. Fear not. I'm bringing you good news of great joy, as in the instance with Christ, right? So let's be careful about this. They are these warrior beasts. Um, Isaiah chapter 6, when the angel shows up to Isaiah, uh, they're described as these six-winged creatures with eyes all over them. They they look like something out of a sci-fi show, right? And not only that, but as they begin to speak, the very threshold of the temple did what? You know this. Begins to shake at his voice. What kind of power is that? These are powerful, powerful beings. Now I say all of that to say, now do you understand why the Hebrews might have begun to worship these things? 
they go, whoa, they're different than us. These are powerful things. And so the writer of Hebrews is going, hey, hey, don't worship them. Don't worship them. So he's going to springboard off of that to explain to us why Jesus is worth so much more than just a trinket token of worship. But the very fabric of our lives should be centered around Christ and everything that we do, say, be, uh, surround ourselves with should scream of His glory in Christ and Christ alone. So, he begins by asking a question. This is where we dive into the text. If you have your Bible, open it up. Man, I pray you bring your Bibles to safe haven. If you don't have one, we'll give you one. There's some on that back shelf back there. Um, and if it's not the right color or whatever, I'll, I'll get you one. I'll buy you one, okay? Um, have a Bible. Let's chew through this. It will also pop up on the screen and we'll kind of highlight and underline some things as we go through this. Take notes. Dive in. Let's, let's look at this. So... He's going to springboard off of, don't worship these angels. <laughs> Jesus is worth more worship than that. And he's going to ask this question twice, actually. To which of the angels did God ever say? That's what's going to lead through these uh, verses. To which of the angels did God ever say? That's in verse 5 and verse 13. The answer both times is never. God never said any of these things to angels. Not one time. There's nothing like Jesus. God only said these things about Jesus, never an angel. So don't worship the angel. Here's the things that he said as we go through it. Number one, he said, here's who Jesus is. Jesus alone is worthy of worship because he is indeed the begotten son, verse 5. No angel was ever called my son. Christ alone. This was reserved for Christ. And he quotes two Old Testament verses here. As a matter of fact, he quotes a lot of Old Testament verses. Uh, I didn't pop them on the screen. I'm sorry about that. I'll read them to you. He quotes 2 Samuel 7, and he quotes, or he or she, I should say the writer of Hebrews, um, 2 Samuel 7 and Psalm 2. He quotes those two verses. And, And the point is this. Every time that the Father calls Jesus Son, it's proving He is more excellent. He's more superior than anything else. No one else in the Bible is called son singular, ever. There are sometimes references to the people of God called sons of God and all that kind of stuff. But there's never a reference other than Christ of singular, this is my son. So therefore, he received a name that's far more excellent. His status as son is just different. The son is different than anything else. So much so that at the name of the Son, the writer of Philippians tells us that as the Son, every single knee shall bow to Him. That's why we worship Jesus. That's why He's more excellent. Because in the end, no one will bow to any other person than Christ and Christ alone. And so this is a great moment to where we always try to speak to believers and unbelievers. Unbelievers, you are welcome here. You are in a safe place. But we don't love you if we don't tell you that one day every knee will bow to Christ as Lord, as the Son, whether it is a willing bow or whether it is a forced bow. Christ alone is the Son. That's why we worship Him. That's why He's more excellent. Number two, Jesus alone is worthy of worship because He is the object of worship of the angels, which is what verse 6 told us. Quoting Deuteronomy 32 and Psalm 97. 
The angels are just winds. They're just messengers. They're just ones who are sent to spread a message. But even the message that they're sent to spread is that Jesus Christ is the Savior, is the Son, is the one worthy of worship. He's the greatest authority. As the greatest authority, even the angels who they've begun to worship bow to Jesus. So how much more shall we bow to Jesus? And if you think about it, angels have bowed to Jesus from eternity past, from the moment they were created, all the way to the manger where they came going glory in the highest, peace on earth. And in eternity, we get to the book of Revelation, and what are the angels still doing? They're bowing to Jesus. So why would you worship an angel? They worship Him, number three. Jesus alone is worthy of worship because He is not only the Son, not only the one who angels worship, but He is the one who is declared to be God, verse 8. And Psalm 45 and Isaiah 61 are quoted here. Here's the cool thing about this. Not only is He declared to be God, but He is declared to be God forever and ever. Meaning there will never be another one who steps in worthy of worship other than Him. He's the one declared forever and ever. What does fascinate me most about this is that the declaration here, as it's quoted, is not the writer of Hebrews declaring Jesus to be God, but it is God declaring Jesus to be God. Did you catch that? And that church is why I'm Trinitarian which is why Safe Haven is Trinitarian, not because we understand how all this plays out, but because Scripture declares that the Father declares the Son to be God. That is fascinating. Of the Son, He says, of the Son, God says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. So if you've ever had somebody say to you, Well, the Bible never says that Jesus is God. Well, number one, say to them, You've never read the Bible. But then pointing them out. Jesus declares to be God, and now here in Hebrews, the writer's telling us the Father declares the Son to be God. It's just a great, great verse. And number four, Jesus alone is worthy of worship because He is Creator. Verse 10. We've been pinging off this from uh, already since chapter 1, verse 1. He is the Creator God, quoting Psalm 102. And the implication is, as creator, he created the sun, he created the angels, he created the ski slopes with the, which the youth enjoyed yesterday. And we got back into town, and I'm still dreaming of that snow. It's awesome. He created all of these things, but as creator, even the angels are part of his creation. So why would you worship something He's created when you can worship the Creator? This is what's going on in this text. Number five, Jesus alone is worthy of worship because He is then seated as Lord. Verse 13. It's quoting Psalm 110 here. The Lord says to my Lord, the psalmist declares. So here's the deal. A lot of times, a lot of people have the concept of Jesus that somehow, because of the way He lived, because of the sacrifice that He gave of Himself, He achieved lordship. That's not what happened. 
Jesus didn't come on the scene, bust on the scene, do the right things, not do the wrong things, and all of a sudden achieve lordship. That's, that's not how it played out. He was Lord. The Lord said to my Lord, and as the Lord came, and as He condensed Himself into the form of a zygote, being placed by the Spirit into Mary's womb, grew up, lived the perfect life, fulfilled the law perfectly, didn't squash the law, fulfilled the law to its fullest, did everything right. As He did that, what He did was He proved Himself to be the one that the Lord said to the Lord. In other words, He didn't earn lordship. He just displayed Himself and finally identified and said, See, I am the one. I didn't earn it. I'm the one. I'm the only one who could fulfill this. I proved myself to be the Lord. And so, in this, He seated. And as we said last week, what a beautiful thing it is that our Lord is seated. He's seated. It's still finished. He's not nervous. The work that He did on our behalf is fulfilled. If you are in Christ, because of Christ, you are righteous, perfect, blameless, a saint, a son, a daughter. Not because of what you do or don't do, but because of what Christ did for you as Lord. Praise the Lord. Why would you worship an angel? And in this, he's achieved the greatest position. The greatest position being that his sacrifice satisfied the wrath of a holy God. And through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, our salvation is complete. And the angels are just simply sent to tell that message. And then he wraps it up, chapter 2, 1 through 4. So, because Christ is all of these things... Do not abandon what Christ has said. As a matter of fact, pay even closer attention. Don't abandon it. Therefore, pay much closer to attention to what you have heard in the gospel. Pay attention to the gospel. Right? What the angels were handed over in the law, for since the message, the law that was declared by angels, since we know that was proved to be true, how much more? should we worship what Christ has proclaimed. That He is the way, He is the truth, He is the life, and no man comes to the Father but by Him. How much more? Do you see it? Do you see the difference? This is who angels are. Why would you worship them? When you have so much more through who Christ is. And what Christ has handed over is grace. The law came to show us that we don't measure up, that we deserve punishment. Christ came to show us that though we deserve punishment, He'll give us grace and mercy through His sacrificial work. It's incredible. Jesus said it this way. Here's why you should worship me. Because I came that you may have life and have life abundant. That's why you worship me. Jesus said, here's why you should worship me. Because you can come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. 
He says, here's why you should worship me. Because no one comes to the Father but by me. Christ is superior to all angels. Man, I hope that washes over you. (laughs) I hope you looked at the text at the beginning like me. Because, I mean, I'll just be honest with you. When I read through the text with our study group, I read through that and I was like, that is going to be a boring Sunday right there. That's an odd passage. That's just very odd. And now the more that I read through it and the more that I study it, I, I, I go, this may be the greatest passage in all of the book of Hebrews. <laughs> right here. Which I will also say that about next week's passage. Okay? And the week after that, and the week after that. But today, this is the best passage in the book of Hebrews. Why does this matter? Maybe you go through that and you go, yeah, okay, I see that. I see that, yes. We shouldn't worship angels. Noted, Troy. Going to break my... <laughs> what were those little things called that I used to buy you, babe? What are they called? Dream sickles? Did anybody else have dreams? Dream, y'all do dream sickles? Yeah, don't go home and shatter your dream sickles. That's not what I'm saying. All right? Whoever gave them to you spent way too much money on them. You keep them. You eBay them. Right? Right? All kinds of stuff. I'm not saying that. I'm saying... I do hope you walk away going, Wow. Yeah. Jesus is greater. Why does this matter? I think it matters for three reasons. I'll say these real fast. Number one. I think it matters because this affects our worship. I'm not talking about worship in your car. I'm talking about right here, right now. I think this passage affects your level of worship. Because a lot of times we're looking for that mystical moment, that feel-goodism. That felt really good. I'm worshiping now, right? And we devalue the table. Right? We are truly worshiping. When we focused on Christ, that's worship. So if you come to the table and you're focusing on Christ, that is just as much worship as the moment when one of our singers hits that note and you get chills down your spine. And the world is bought into a system of worship that is completely messed up. Worship is when I'm all, oh, good cry. I know I'm worshiping when I'm crying. What? This passage says, this affects your worship. When you focus on Christ as supreme, you are worshiping. It affects our worship. So has your worship grown stale? Like you came in today and was like, I just don't feel those songs. I wish Connor really wouldn't hit that whammy bar. <laughs> Actually, I hope he hits it one day. I don't even know if he has a whammy bar. Connor, do you have a whammy bar on that thing? Is it called a whammy bar? I'll be quiet. Okay. Um, I, I really wish it was louder. I wish, it was, I wish Tanner wouldn't hit the drums, or I wish he would hit the drums. Or, that's not worship. Worship is, whether it's a hymn, whether it's a dadgum rap song, praise the Lord. When our heart's attention and mind's affection is set on Christ and Christ alone, you have entered into worship. So it affects our worship. Do we see Christ as that exalted? It affects our study. You come to the text maybe stale and dry, and maybe it's stale and dry because you're trying to read into the text some devotional thought. Where do I fit in the text? What is this saying about me? Me, 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 me. 
you've entered into right study when you look at the text and go, what does this say about Jesus? That's when you've entered into study rightly. So it affects our worship, it affects our study, and of course that affects our life. Because life as we know it is to glorify God and exalt Christ above all things in every aspect. So, as I wrap it up and the band comes back up. We did go skiing yesterday. It was a crazy ride. We left Friday night. We drove all night long, got there, woke up at 6 o'clock, skied all morning, hopped in the car, drove back home last night, and I'll be quite honest with you, if anything I said today makes sense... It really is squarely because of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) I will take a big nap today, and by nap, I mean sleep. (laughs) But yesterday, one of the things that happened on the ski slopes, golly, I just thought it was awesome, and I thought it fit in with this text, and I I think I need to end with it. All the students were gathered around. We were about to eat some sandwiches, and um, we had one of our students, Cooper Tolbert, uh, pray right before we ate together. and um, God, it was so good, man. He was just praying. And I didn't expect this. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, okay? Double honest. I was just ready for some Doritos. Oh. I was so hungry. And I was like, man, I hope this isn't one of them churchy prayers. <laughs> what I need right now is a sandwich. And he began to pray, and he was like, Lord, I'm, I'm thankful for my friends, I'm thankful for skiing, I'm thankful for the snow, and he just was praying these thoughts. And then he prayed this, and he said, man, God, I just pray that through all of this, it'll remind us of your goodness to us. And that all of these things we should enjoy and reflect back for your glory. That's it. Christ changes everything. It changes church. It changes work. It changes the point of skiing on a ski slope. He's way better than angels. Why would you not give him your worship? Let's pray together. Well, Lord, I pray today that we've seen how the writer knows that some people have thought highly of angels but is reminding them and us today in 2023 that angels are nothing to be mesmerized by. But that we are only to be mesmerized by the person and work and sufficiency of Christ Jesus our Lord. May we be stunned by Jesus as we sing. And then as Ben leads us through communion, and may we join the angels just by bowing before you and proclaiming that you are above all, in all, 
through all, exalted on high, Jesus Christ, the risen Lord.